The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. The scripture reading is taken this morning from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. And the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, Sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Christ is risen. Can we give God some praise? We come here this morning to celebrate God Almighty. I don't know about you. But I'm going to just take a moment. I know we got time to preach, but just to bless his name, you just stand to your feet and give him glory. I think what the song said when we read the resurrection, it was a crown of thorns. But now it is a crown of glory. He was once seated on the cross, but now he is seated on the throne. I don't know about you, but I found assurance through that. I want to shout just in doing that. My feet want to run because I know he's already run the race. He's strengthened me. We just heard a testimony that lets us know that we have a God somewhere that is bigger than any disease, that is bigger than any fatherless home, that is bigger than any pain, and he can do it. He is risen, saints. Bless his name. Bless his name. You may be seated. We just come here to celebrate Jesus. We come here to celebrate Jesus. We have a, a wonderful choir. That brother Compton, I said the Lord, I knew it right there. I said the Lord did not bless me to sing because he blessed him to sing. I knew it. He blessed me to yell. That's what I can do. 
I can yell. That's what God has given me the ability to do. But they did an incredible job. Thank you to the leadership of Adriana. That choir was amazing. Uh, worship was great. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, let us uh, jump right into the text uh, we have before us. Um, as we do, let me comfort and calm my heart and my mind and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we need you. We need you every hour, every minute, every second. You are God who reminds us of your faithfulness, of your trustworthiness, of your ability to make all things new. Help us, Jesus, in this moment to celebrate your holy name and what you have done for us on the cross. Allow our minds and hearts to be focused on you. Allow your word to be impressed upon us as well. Use me, Lord, to speak to your people. Hide me beneath your cross. Allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Our rock and our redeemer. All God's people said. In my study, what I was doing, I was reading a book by one scholar named Dr. James K.A. Smith. And he notes this about the secular age. It is not that our secular age is an age of disbelief. It is an age of believing otherwise. We cannot tolerate living in a world without meaning. I'm going to read that again. He says, it is not that our age is an age of disbelief. It is an age of believing otherwise. We cannot tolerate living in a world without meaning. No matter who you are, believer or non-believer, you're searching or struggling with your faith. The reality is all people desire transcendence of something, of someone. They need that transcendence to give them meaning in life. So we all search. Wherever you may be on the journey of searching, or if you have found him, you've embraced a lifestyle. You've embraced comfortability. You embrace happiness. You've embraced what's most rewarding. You've also embraced uh, ha- lifestyles that that give you hope. You've embraced certain belief systems. You adopted so many different things in order to give your life meaning. We, as a people in this world. We often know, and if you read the newspaper in Memphis, that the reality is people are pessimistic and hopeless. And that's a lot of times because they don't know Jesus. And so what we know is that no matter who you are, human beings desire meaning. Why do I say that? Because this is why the resurrection is important. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is important because it gives us hope. It gives us meaning. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ presents a new reality. And that reality should not be embraced by just a few, but should be embraced by all. That's what I am here to pull on your ear this morning. To say that please, instead of embracing otherwise, or believing otherwise, trust in the God of salvation and truth. 
Those are our two points, and that's what we're dealing with this morning, is that we should embrace the God of salvation, and we should embrace the God of truth. And the reason being is because this God is the one that can change our lives. When we look at our passage, we see John, the writer, is a visionary. And as he's writing, he helps us to see past the tangible. He doesn't just see what's in front of his face. He's actually, this is the seventh vision. And as he is in this particular, describing this particular vision, we see that he can see past a certain vantage point. And I always say, even when we think about great leaders in our society, we think godly leaders, they can always see past what is visible. Because there is hope on the other end. And that is what we know for newness of life in all of creation. And this should also give us hope not just for what is to come, but it should give us hope for the right now. In our communities, it should give us hope in our nation, in our world as kingdom-minded individuals. We should live as people who are not only looking to be restored, but people who are diligently working to restore. So in our first point, we see that we should embrace the God of salvation. We see this in verses 1 through 5a. Why is the question? Why should we embrace the God of salvation? Well, look at verse 1. We see immediately that he brings R and R. Not rest and relaxation, but he brings redemption and renewal. He brings redemption and renewal. John sees in this vision the fulfillment of God's promise all the way that was said in Genesis 3. If you just trek along that, you realize that God was coming to, in a historical, redemptive way, redeem all of his creation, renew all of his creation. And we know this because even the prophets prophesied about he making the former things pass away and bringing the new heavens and the new earth. We see this from Isaiah. And the good news is, is it is a salvation that all of us long for. And it brings not just a salvation, but an everlasting joy, an everlasting peace that goes beyond the temporal newness that we may think about. You ever open up a new box of shoes and you smell the box of shoes and you realize, I just love that smell. But when you put your stinky feet in it, that smell disappears. We're not talking about that newness. We're talking about a newness that is qualitative, one that has an eternal newness to it. And it it does away with all the negatives. That's why... In this passage it says, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. The reality is that there is nowhere around. It, is, it's, it literally does not, it literally ceased to exist because we know that God is bringing something new. Mike, what is it? I've heard debates of whether this is a full destruction on earth or whether this is just a renovation. The point is, and we don't have time in order to delve into that debate, but what I can say is we know that there is something new coming. And this is not... Just a newness in terms of we, we're seeing new trees or we're seeing new waters or we're seeing new pavement. But there's a real transformation happening within each individual that is in this room and everybody a part of the universal church. We see this when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. 
Behold, the new has come. I remember in college when we would, I was a part of a Christian fraternity and we would have all these step shows and we would be with the Define Nine and, you know, they, they didn't really respect us a lot. So we'd come in, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We just knew Jesus. If any man. And, and so, you know, I remember the Kappas were so mad, like, what are they up there doing? They don't know what they're doing. And we would just win all these step shows. And I really believe it was God blessing and showing favor. Because soon as we got the opportunity, we'd share the gospel. And we'd let people know that newness is coming. And we're not just talking about a renovation or moving around furniture. You know, last week, Bishop Reeves told y'all he watched Grey's Anatomy. You know, I'm not going to say I watched that either. Sometimes it's just on my Hulu. I'm not going to say I watched Chip and JoJo. You know, fixer up in HGTV and stuff like that. I let my wife watch it, but I just peruse through every time. Right? And so Chip and JoJo had been doing all these shows. And when I remember, when I remember we were buying our first house, I was like, I was like, oh, babe, we're going to knock out this wall. And we're going to put this right here. We, you know, you, we want the open setting right here. We, we want the bar to sit right Oh, whoo, Let me tell you how the master bedroom going to look. But I act out. It's going to be right here. And it's going to be the king size. And we're going to have this. And the, we need the double, uh, 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 what, what's the thing where you got the sink, two sinks? We need the dual sinks, whatever that is. We need that right there in the room. We're going to knock this out. None of that's happened. No, no. Not at all. <laughs> but, but, but see, the, I, I'm always amazed because, you know, they go in and they, they do all of these renovations and they move things around and then they do the old house deal and they spread it out and boom, the couple is like always amazed at, at what happens. But I think about this in the context of what God does in our life. He just doesn't rearrange furniture. He just doesn't do a makeover. He doesn't just move a couple things or knock down a couple walls. He builds a whole new foundation. And that is the reality of transformation in our lives because I believe that for some of us, we rearrange the furniture in our lives. We only knock down a couple walls because we suppress so much. And I'm talking to the individuals who have not been able to feel comfortable sharing their story and held bound by the bondage of pain and suffering for so long. This passage tells us that that will be wiped away. And that is the picture that we see because the old self dies and the new self shall be resurrected with Christ. This is the power of the gospel and total transformation in our lives. This is why when we look in verse 2, that new Jerusalem along with all humanity will be adorned. That picture will be beautiful. The bride coming from heaven. Let me just read that. Because the Bible says it so beautifully. In verse 2 it says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And, uh, let me stop right there. Adorned for her husband. I, I, want you to, I want you to think about this. It's wedding season. And typically, uh, I've, I, I do a, a few weddings every now and then. And so, I know when we're going through premarital counseling, you know, one of the first things I try to do is make sure the bride doesn't have all of the focus on the dress. But the dress is important. Yeah, the dress is important. Okay? My wife would tell me that when she bought her dress. I'm still hurting from that. But, seven years later, I love you. But, but the reality is, when they adorn themselves, they put on the right dress. It has to fit 
nice. It has to be, it has to look right on them. It has to be the right kind of color. And, and nobody else in the bridal party need to show them up with their dress. They bet not show them up with their dress. They'll be in trouble. And, and, and as they, as they do, they, they have all of the right accessories and they have the right veil on and every part of the dress has to be ready. And so when we are standing there, I've preached this text even in wedding homilies. I, I always am amazed at the procession because the, the husband, I'm trying to hold him up because the brother is weeping and he's crying and he's hurting in the knees and I'm trying to make sure that he can stand strong because he has his wife coming down and it, we know that God stands strong for us but when, when the doors open everybody stands when the heavens open and we process as the bride of Christ all people stand at the majesty in which we were we were adorned what garments are we wearing garments of righteousness garments of salvation this was what Isaiah says I'm talking about what the Bible says we're working garments of holiness clothed in our right minds beautiful because God has called us to be him you may think that God sees you but he doesn't see you he sees Jesus which is why we are then beautiful there is a theology of the imputation of righteousness and what has been imputed upon us allows us to be majestic in God's eyes. It allows us to Him to be pleasing to His sight. And when He does, He, just like the husband, looks at Jesus in us and He is proud because it glorifies Him. My wife makes me look good, essentially what I'm saying. Because the garments that we bring to the table are filthy rags. They are useless. They mean nothing. But listen to this as we continue on to the text. In verse 3, John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne. Here it is. This is an angel, a messenger of God. And he has profound words because what we see, this message where he's hearing from the throne of God is important because what he is saying is God is dwelling with you. Look at verse 3. He says, and I heard the loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with Man, He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their everlasting God. If you know anything about the Old Testament, we know that this is language that is familiar to the people of Israel. So if you were reading this as a Jew, you were thinking about the tabernacle. That's literally what the dwelling place means in the Hebrew and in the Subjugent of the Greek. That it is the tabernacle, the temple, the tent of meetings where God's presence actually was. It was the center of worship. And why is that important? Because as we've been going through Ezra and Nehemiah you know that the presence of God is important for the people of God. Why is it important for the people of God? Because it gives them strength. It gives them the ability to know that they have a God. They don't have to worship other things. And this is what we see happening here. That the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ actually reconciles us to Jesus in right relation. Why Why is that? Because the relationship is torn. Now listen to this. We moved from a ten of meetings to the temple being us. God has moved from the high and lofty place to now dwelling and walking with his people. I just think about Genesis real quick. One and two, where this is the same God who walked through the cool of the garden. Now it's the God who one day in all newness will walk amongst the people of God. It won't necessarily just be in us, but He will be with us in a way that will be far tangible that we can ever express or imagine in our our own comprehension. That should bring joy to somebody this morning. 
It should bring joy because we also ought to be an extension of His incarnation. And the way that we do ministry, my wife, she was working in St. Louis. We, she had this one job and she was, came home telling me about a story where one of her co-workers. And she said he had a fire in his house and he was so mad because as he was in the house, the fire was going on and he couldn't get out of the house. He, didn't, he couldn't get out of the house as soon as he, he, he wanted to and he prayed to God to help him. But he was like, oh, God wasn't anywhere to be found. And then she looked at him and she said, but, but, but you're here right now. The reality is, he couldn't see God in the midst of this fire, but he didn't realize the testimony he had when he got out of the fire. I think that that is our lives today. That the fact that God has brought us and rescued us, and this is the power of the resurrection, that sometimes he's dwelling in us, he's with us, and he's around us, but the pains and the sorrows of life blind us to his very presence and his power so that we don't see his reality. But he's delivered us from so many things that we don't even remember, that we can't even comprehend, nor can we foresee because he foreknew. So we ought to embrace the God of salvation because he brings R and R, rest and um, not rest and relaxation, sorry, redemption and renewal, but then also because he provides true freedom. Many of y'all know the song by Jill Scott. I I just was at my, my, I did my aunt's vow renewal and I just did it because I'm a nephew, get your pass in the water, I'm a nephew and we did it and so my, my aunt, she claims to be a diva. <laughs> I tell y'all all the time, I have so many women in my family. And so I was with all my cousins, and it was just all women. And so she comes in to Jill Scott, golden. You know, Jill taking my freedom, putting it on the shelf, boom. Putting it on my chain, boom. Wearing it around my neck. Boom. Taking the freedom now. Boom. Putting it on the car. Y'all know it. Boom. Wearing the gun. Okay. Is that living my life like it's golden? We all know that, right? And so I know the last time, last time y'all, you know, I said I didn't listen to country. And so people saw, sent me country music. And so I, I made sure I think about my country brothers and sisters too. Derek Bentley, uh, the freedom song. Y'all know Derek Bentley? Hey, man, I don't know. But he had a song as well. We want all, uh, we all want to be free. I mean, we all want to break the chains, feel the wind against our faith. Everybody wants the same thing. We want to taste freedom. Freedom. Everybody around here want want to taste freedom. Uh, this reality is that we see in both of these songs that freedom seems to be uh, attached to something or attached to someone or breaking away from something. It is this freedom that is looked as if it is a way of life. You see, you can wear this freedom. You can taste this freedom even. Uh, it's palatable. But, but, but I want you all to realize that uh, you know, when I was talking about embracing various things in our society and beliefs, it's also in what we sing. We see it in media. We see it in music. We, we see it in culture subtly mesmerizing us and soliciting ideologies that lead us astray. Even for those that are skeptical and seeking, you have to admit to the fact that you're searching for something. You're looking to apply this to your life. But that is because there was an inward groaning. You may realize that inward groaning causes you to look for something transcendent. That's Romans 8, 23-24. And where it says that... <clears throat> 
where it says not only creation, but we ourselves inwardly longing to be redeemed and uh, redeemed and hoping for salvation. Saved from what? What do we want to be saved from? What do we want to be freed from? The penalty, the presence, and the power of sin. That is what we see right there in verse 4, that he wipes away absolutely everything that torments us in life. He just doesn't cover it up. He doesn't put a band-aid on it. My son, he would always say he loves band-aids, right? And he'd say, Daddy, I just want a band-aid. He doesn't even have a scar on him. He just want a band-aid. And the superhero band-aids. And I was thinking, I'm putting a band-aid on him. I'm like, all Daddy can do is put a band-aid on it. But what God can do is wipe it away. Completely eradicated. And this is why verse 4 is so important where he says that there will be no more death, neither mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, nor the former things have passed away. Uh, There's nothing for me to expound on. That is what it is. But when you think about this text, this is what I want you to think about. Take a survey of your life. Think about the illnesses that you've had to go through or your family members had to go through. Think about the sorrow, the incredible sorrow and the pain of this sin-sick world. If that's not enough yet, think about when you were drinking and smoking and trying to get the pain away. I, I, I talk to so many young brothers who, who say, I just need to smoke so many times in order just to wake up in the morning. We, we, you don't need that anymore in the new heavens and the new earth. And, and also, if you were just to take a moment and think about when you're searching for love and, and you're with that individual and you're giving yourself to them over and over but they break your heart and you try the next relationship that leaves you empty but but then you go on you think about friends and family that you've lost to cancer that you 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 lost to heart disease and diabetes or gun violence that you 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 look about those things or drug addictions and i will say to you that will be no more and then you think about those who have lost those babies and had miscarriages and suffered infertility i I will say to you the bible says that that will be no more and i will also think about those who who have lost everything in their identity because success was ended at one point in time, I would say that that will not be there anymore because he will wipe them away. I think about those who go through sex trafficking and prostitution and giving themselves over and over again to the abuse or have been abused. I would say you won't have to suffer that anymore because what God says is he will wipe it away. This is what Paul gives us the ability because we don't think that we're good enough. But what he says in 1 Corinthians 15 is that the perishable will become the imperishable. The corruptible will become the incorruptible. Because we will be presented to God as godly, pure, and holy to him. This, what does this mean? What crown are we wearing then? Now we're wearing a crown of everlasting joy. That's what Isaiah says. Now we're wearing a crown of righteousness, of gladness that actually overtakes us. Our freedom is no longer just a chain. Our freedom is not in a car. Our freedom is not just a taste. Our freedom is our new reality. That is the transcendence that we ought to embrace. I'm going to skip this illustration just for time. And so we can go on to our next point where we know that we need to embrace truth. Why do we embrace truth? Because it actually changes our lives. It changes our lives. Look at what he says in verse, uh, and the other part of verse 5, where he says, I will make all things new. And right after that, because we know he's making all things, he's wiped away, he's making it all new. Write this down. These trustworthy and true words. 
Trustworthy meaning faithful. What words? These are the same words that he spoke creation into. These are the same words that he breathes life into dead people, into dead situations. These words of truthfulness guarantee restoration for all people. These words present to us a new Memphis. These words present to us a new Jerusalem. That is the truth. You know, when Dr. King, he spoke about a new Jerusalem, he also spoke about a new Memphis. What does that look like? It looks like a city that is transformed by Christians, not by public policy, not simply by education reform, not by having all of these different kind of situations led up for our society, but by Christians being in particular areas of the marketplace and changing it. I was with one CEO and he said, Mike, you know what? He's a Christian. He said, I don't need the government to tell me that people need $15 an hour. I should be able to do it. I should be able to change the living wage. Because I know truth. That is the, that is the essence of what we know as living as Christians. Is that God controls us. Not society nor policy controls us. Why is that? Because God is the Alpha and Omega. It is done in Him. We don't need to complete a work towards anything but knowing that we are in Christ. That is important for each of us. Why is that important? Because the resurrection is the reality that says to us that life is not cyclical. Life doesn't mean that I'm going to just live in a lion. Life doesn't nor is it a monotheistic religion that we say that we just need to earn something. It does not say that. What it says to us is that we are justified in Jesus Christ and our efforts do not add to him anything but he has done everything and given us a peace and a joy through his resurrection. Some of y'all are like, I already know that. I even want to talk to those who are believing in urban mythologies that you're not nationalism or your tribalism is the identity in which you find yourself that is not it either because when you are raised with Christ you aren't the same individual you are a different person and then that means that real transformation happens for real people that will really change our communities, that will really change our society, that will really change every part of our life y'all saying this brother is crazy I am that's because I believe that if you embrace truth, God will really change your life. Look at what he says to the thirsty. I will give you spring of water. I will give from the spring of water life without payment. Life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and will be his God. And he will be my son. I I remember this is the best way to illustrate this is when I was with my pastor back in St. Louis. uh, And he had taken me, you know... I always tell you about I was an armor bearer, okay? And that means I helped my brother, I helped Pastor Hour, carry his bag, if he, you know, whatever he needed, I helped him, right? But he was really bringing along a young man along with him to actually disciple me. But it wasn't put in any language like that. I was just in a hotel in California with him out of St. Louis, and we were at a church, and he was preaching, and he was talking to me. I was sitting in the back of the car hearing conversations, able to take things in, and I was sitting all around, and, and the pastor told him, he said, listen, Bishop, we're going to take you out to, to the gala at the BET Award. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, we going to the game like the BT Award. I can't believe it. And you know, this is the time when Chris Brown had yo, Beyonce had oh, 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 all of that. 
so we, I'm, 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 we, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're going to a gala, but actually we go to the actual concert, backstage, VIP, all passes. He had it mixed up. The chef went to his church, and so he said, "I'm gonna take you. I'm, I'm gonna give you all these passes." We go. I'm looking like a regular old church member. You're right. I, I, I'm nothing but a teenager, and I'm like, man, I don't have, I don't have the right shoes. I'm looking like I need to be a deacon in somebody's church. So, so I'm walking around, right, and uh, uh, I leave the pastor because I'm just enamored by everything that's going on. I look Jamie Foxx, T.I. I walk on the stage. Beyonce is on the stage dancing with the with the big hair. This the big hair. Beyonce dancing. This is unbelievable. And the bouncer put me out. He's like, oh, you can't be on the stage right now. And I'm saying, I'm walking around. I walk in the green room, and I'm seeing that's Eminem, Busta Rhymes, Nia walk up to me like he knew me. I'm like, okay. Uh, so I, I, I'm feeling like a real celebrity. And, and so I'm walking around and I'm losing my mind. Mary Mary walk out and everything. My pastor knew Mary Mary. So hey, talking. But then one brother, I go into the green room and I was about to get something. He said, hold, hold, he said, hold on. You, you got a pass. And I was back here. able to whip it out. And I said, I said, I, I said, yeah, yeah, I got this pass. He said, oh, you got all access. Go ahead. Anything you need. Go ahead. Get, get anything you want. And, and, and then I can go anywhere. As the concert was going, as the whole concert was going on and awards were going on, I was able to stand next over Jermaine Dupri. I'm a little taller than Jermaine Dupri and watch from the backstage. Okay. The, the point is, is that when I had no right to be there, my past gave me every right to be. I didn't have to pay a dime to be in the building because it was without payment. And what I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, judge for Christians looks different. This is what we see in verse 8. For those that do not believe. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, the list goes on. You will have to suffer death. That's a hard thing to swallow. But we know who swallowed up death. So if you trust in him, you don't have to do that. See, my son lately has been able to embrace so many different things. He watched PJ Mask. And so as a pastor, and even my wife as a pastor's wife, she, we, we, we so gospel, everything becomes gospel. You know, PJ Mask come in, PJ Mask, we come to save the day. And I'm like, oh, hold on, pause that, son. Wait, wait a minute. You know who really came to save the day, right? Huh? His name is Jesus Christ. You, I want you to know you're not Owlette, not Catboy, not, not Gecko. Not, not, no, no, no. You know, we watch Curious George. He Curious George. I'm like, you know who was really curious, right? Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked. Okay? You, you need to know this. And so, I mean, so as, my, as, 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 I was, as, as I'm, as I'm corner, kind of going through all of these analogies for him, you know, cartoons are going to be ruined for him as he goes, because everything's going to be gospel. And so, but, 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 but one day he came home and he was like, Daddy. He's like, Daddy. I'm like, what's going on, son? I'm giving him a snack and everything. He's like, I, I made a tomb. You know, he had this nice little craft that he made at school and, and, the, and, it, and it, it, it was a tomb and the cross was above it. He was able to whip it around, boom. And then when he whip it around, he'd be like, it's empty. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's amazing, MJ. He's like, yeah, I'm like, what did Jesus do? He died. I'm like, son, that ain't it. (laughs) He died. He was buried, but he rose again. 
The idea is, is that even at the age of three, he is able to embrace a reality of transcendence that goes beyond his comprehension. And what I'm saying to you, so many different things fight for our time. So many different things fight for our mind. So many different things fight for our heart. But the one thing we want to give it over to, the one person we want to give it to, his name is Jesus. And if you know that he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the lily and the rose, that he is the one who will always be with you. He is the everlasting life. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you rose, Lord, so that we may live, have eternal life. And God, I pray that our minds in this time and in this season, we wrap our hearts and minds around that understanding that so many different things compete and we embrace so many different realities. And God, you have called us though to embrace you in your resurrection and how that can be applicable to us. You have allowed yourself to die on our behalf so that we may have strength and power to make it through this life because there's hope on the other end. And God, I pray that you continue to encourage us and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.